Today's broadcast originally aired on September 25th, 2023. We have went backwards in the last 14 years, you know, and it, like, like they always say, when corporations fail, we take all the blame and we make all the sacrifice. When they're profitable, they keep all the profits. Those days are over. It's time we get our fair share. Those days are over, says me. I agree with Sean Payne. Those days are over. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't, but it's getting better. I feel scared in case I fall off my chair. I think. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Working on it. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. I am... From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, uh, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, And Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet. So the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and... All around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com says me, but uh, maybe not the rabbi so much, Desi Toyin. <laughs> maybe don't, not. Don't tell the rabbi Shh. that I'm on air today. That said, <laughs> it, the best thing about this is if the rabbi finds out, he can't do anything about it. You know why? Why? Well, because he shouldn't have been listening to the radio <laughs> himself. Well, there you have it. So I hope he's listening and we torture him. Anyway, welcome to the broadcast. Glad, glad to have you all here. It was a uh, very busy news weekend that, I, I frankly, uh, I couldn't stay away. Uh, there's a whole lot going on today, so I want to uh, get to as much of it as I can, unless, on the other hand, you decide to interrupt me. By calling in, if you're listening in our live Southern California listening area or via live stream at uh, kpfk.org today. It's been a few weeks since we've been able to open up the phones. And with so much going on, particularly here in uh, Los Angeles over the past 12 hours or so, I am interested to hear what you are interested in talking about in using your public airwaves for Given that our former president over the weekend was on a tear about how he was going to begin removing information, removing news channels that he does not like from the airwaves if he becomes president again. Maybe we'll get to that in a little bit. That's just one of the stories 
uh, I've got today, unless you stop me by dialing in at 818-985-5735. Really, with whatever happens to be on your mind today, 818-985-KPFK, as time allows, uh, I may get to uh, that story and other clear and present and unprecedented dangers to our constitutional republic that our former president now threatens and or promises if he is elected again next year. We've got some news. Maybe we'll get to it on the felony indictment on bribery charges for New Jersey's Democratic U.S. Senator Bob Menendez. And uh, perhaps most pressing this week, the apparent plan by the Republican U.S. House of Representatives at least the Republicans in that House, to shut down the government entirely this weekend as they failed to agree amongst themselves on a plan, uh, even you know, simply a short-term continuing resolution, uh, to keep the government open and operating as of this Saturday, the start of the new federal fiscal year. And by the way, on that point, please, at the very least, be informed enough to know that the fight over funding the U.S. government right now is not, as I've seen too many in the corporate media describe in their headlines, it is not, quote, a battle between lawmakers or an inability to compromise by Congress, as if all of this is a battle between Republicans and Democrats and, gosh, a pox on both of their houses for not being willing to work for the American people. Gosh darn those members of Congress. If, in fact, the government shuts down as of this weekend, and it's looking like it will, it is because Republicans in Congress cannot agree with their fellow Republicans on a spending bill, period. End of story. They cannot even agree with themselves. And this, uh, at least at the moment, has nothing to do with Democrats who are watching a completely, completely dysfunctional Republican Party in the House eat itself alive. And uh, I'm wondering who you think will be most affected by that next year. Of course, it ought to be the Republicans. But given the state of the media that we have, who knows? 818-985-5735 is our phone number. If you'd like to ring in on that, I'll try to get to some details in a little bit. But I do want to start here since this was and is... Well, very big news as of late Sunday night, especially for those of us out here in L.A., where a strike by the film and television writers and the Actors Union is a very big deal, not just on a national level, but also on a local level. This is a company town. Add that to similar labor uprisings by working folks all over the country uh, after years of record profits by corporations, and we are seeing a movement um, for labor, a moment for labor, if you will, that as we discussed on this show last week uh, with labor historian Nelson Lichtenstein of UC Santa Barbara, we have not seen such a moment in decades in this country. And it is very exciting, at least as I see it. And yes, apparently paying off for workers who stand Together, To that end, I'd love to hear from any uh, Writers Guild of America folks out there, right, uh, WGA members or SAG-AFTRA members, the Actors Union here in L.A. or elsewhere, uh, who might like to ring in today on any aspect of this, because there is still quite a bit that we 
do not know. You can also tweet me, by the way. I am the Brad Blog. I'll do my best to keep an eye on that. And on my email, I am bradcast at bradblog.com. But let's start here. The Writers Guild of America, which represents more than 11,000 screenwriters, reached a tentative deal on a new contract with entertainment companies on Sunday night, all but ending... A 146-day strike that has contributed to a shutdown of pretty much all television and film production over the past five-plus months. In the coming days, after final approval from the Guild's negotiating committee and both the East and West Coast boards of the Guild, uh, the members will then vote on whether to accept the deal, which reportedly includes most of what they had demanded from the production studios. They hung tight, and they seem to have gotten what they needed, including uh, increases in residual uh, royalty payments for streaming content and guarantees that artificial intelligence will not encroach on writers and uh, on writers' credits and compensation. While the specific details on the tentative agreement are not yet fully known, the WGA negotiating committee announced the agreement late on Sunday night as having been, quote, made possible by the enduring solidarity of WGA members and extraordinary support of our union siblings who joined us on the picket lines for over 146 days, they said. Though they didn't share the specifics yet of the deal, they noted, quote, we can say with great pride that this deal is exceptional, with meaningful gains and protections for writers in every sector of the membership. So according to The New York Times and others, the deal came together relatively quickly after talks finally resumed last Wednesday after a nearly month-long hiatus from negotiations. Each side was insisting it was the other one who was refusing to talk. The last sticking point involved uh, AI, according to three people briefed on the talks. The writers' union uh, leadership told members that all picketing would now be suspended, though the union encouraged members to join the striking actors on the picket lines, which uh, those will resume on Tuesday, as tens of thousands of actors in the sag after union remain on strike, hoping to receive a similar deal in their negotiations with the same group of production companies on the other side of the table. That would be the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, or AMPTP, uh, who finally came to terms with the writers. So as that strike with the actors continues, in addition to the, uh, uh, the striking actors, more than 100,000 behind-the-scenes workers, directors, camera operators, publicists, Makeup artists, prop makers, set designers, lighting technicians, hairstylists, and so forth in L.A. and New York, well, they will continue to stand idle, many with mounting financial hardship as the actor strike continues. Studios have also been hurting themselves, at least based on their market valuation. Stock prices for Disney, Warner Brothers, Discovery... Paramount Global have dropped, and analysts have estimated studios will forego as much as $1.6 billion in global ticket sales for movies that were initially scheduled for release this fall but were pushed to next year because of the actors' strike. With actors still on strike, that means that the only shows that could restart production, at least in short order, without actors, well, that would be daytime and late-night talk shows. 
uh, who, uh, though, you know, at the beginning of the strike, I was happy to get some much needed extra sleep, to be frank, to be honest with you. When it comes to the late night shows, I love them. But the extra sleep was nice. Then in recent weeks, I got to say, I don't know if you feel the same, Des, I have really started missing the late <laughs> night shows. Uh, and by the way, I suspect they must have missed doing the shows in particular because Donald Trump has been indicted on the bulk of his 91 criminal felony charges during just the time that they have been out on strike and unable to come on air and talk about it all with America. Yeah, you can imagine there must be quite a bit of pent up jokes that are waiting to be unleashed when the late night folks get back in. But I do want to point out. Well, I hope they didn't write them while they were on strike. Oh, that, that would be, would that would be, been against uh, the rules. Be they rule. can only think about them. Don't but tell I, the rabbi. <laughs> I do want to make a point, though, yes. about what the uh, Writers Guild and SAG after are fighting over this yeah. use of artificial intelligence. Um, it actually has implications for all workers, not just, you know, creative industry people. Um, these knowledge workers should be aware that companies can use AI. They can train AI on the work that you're doing right now and use it to put you out of your job using your own work to train the machine. So it's not just the writers and the actors that are fighting for this stuff. It's actually trying to uh, get some ground rules set on the ground floor of mm -hmm. this new type of, uh, of uh, platform and making sure that worker protection are built in from the start. And they seem to say they got what they wanted, uh, we'll which is good. We'll see when the actual we, yeah. details come out, when the, when the final contract language is released. Mm -hmm. But hopefully hopefully they did get some secure protections for, not just for the writers, but that can, the, can then be promulgated in other industries. Which I suspect and hope we will hear about, uh, of course, in the days ahead. Uh, in the meantime, when it comes to those late night shows, when, th when this show, the broadcast, is one of the funniest shows on air talking about the news. <laughs> We're all in trouble. You know these are dark times for this nation. That's all I'm saying. So I will welcome those folks back as soon as feasible, please. Uh, the tentative deal finally came together after several company leaders, that would be like Bob Iger at uh, Disney, Donna Langley at NBC Universal, uh, David Zaslav, who runs uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, once they got directly involved in the talks. L.A. Mayor Karen Bass is already banking on a much-needed conclusion to all of this for a city powered in no small part by entertainment, saying in a statement, quote, this historic strike impacted so many across Los Angeles and across the nation. Now we must focus on getting the entertainment industry and all the small businesses that depend on it back on their feet and stronger than ever before. SAG-AFTRA congratulated the writers on Sunday night for coming to an agreement. They wish the same for their own actors and broadcast announcers, other members, saying, quote, we remain on strike in our TV theatrical contract and continue to urge the studio and streamer CEOs and the AMPTP to return to the table and make the fair deal, said the organization. The writers and actors share uh, similar demands in their contracts, including higher base compensation, a bigger cut of residuals, stricter protection for the use of artificial intelligence. The strikes have upended the film and TV business, meanwhile, throwing thousands of people out of work, shutting down productions on most scripted entertainment from big-budget movies to late-night shows and streaming series. In interviews, writers and actors behind the scenes, crew members as well have described 
a lot of financial hardship uh, of the industry shut down. But as Adam Conover, a comedian and member of both the Writers Guild and SAG After Union, explained uh, concisely on Friday, uh, he explained why these actions by labor unions across the U.S. in multiple sectors are long overdue in this country and matter, frankly, to all workers. So workers are on strike across America. Not only are writers and actors on strike in Hollywood, but auto workers just launched a massive strike against the big three automakers. But to understand why this is such a historically big deal, you gotta check out these stats I found on usafacts.org. See, strikes have actually gotten much rarer over the past few decades. Because of union busting, since the 90s, the percentage of workers who are represented by a union has dropped by half. And the number of strikes, period, has absolutely plummeted. Look at this, we've gone from 400 or so strikes a year to, I don't know, a couple? And that is not great for workers because even though strikes are full of struggle and hardship, they are difficult things that you don't want to have to do too often. They are also one of the only ways that workers can fight back against the bosses when they try to suppress wages and keep all the profits for themselves. And that might explain why over the same period, income inequality has skyrocketed as well with those at the top now earning far, far more than those at the bottom. But the events of the past year make it look like maybe that trend is finally starting to reverse because now, we once again have massive unions that are willing to go on strike if necessary, and we have a resurgence of workers who are looking to join or start unions for the first time. And if that trend continues, if workers keep fighting and keep winning, we may finally be able to put a dent in one of the most intractable problems in this country, income inequality. And that rocks. <laughs> Sounds like good news to me. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. 818-985-5735. If you are one of those actors, uh, well, one of those writers who were are out on strike, actually still are until this is finalized, or the actors uh, who are still out on strike, or anyone else affected in the uh, in the business, uh, in the industry, who might want to uh, ring in with some thoughts, either for or again, what is going on. Other uh, 818-985-KPFK. Other WGA members declared victory on social media after the news broke late on Sunday. Former WGA West board member David Slack wrote on Twitter, quote, we held strong together as one union to demand our fair share, and that's why we won. The writers effectively used social media to wage a campaign highlighting the economic disparities between the raises that they were asking for and the executive compensation packages of the top studio executives. For example, Walt Disney's uh, CEO Bob Iger incurred a backlash after telling CNBC that the demands of the writers and actors union were not realistic. Hmm. That, apparently, while he was attending an exclusive investment banker-sponsored retreat for industry luminaries outside of Sun Valley, Idaho. Smartly done, Bob. One unnamed studio executive reportedly told Deadline, quote, the end game on all of these strikes, at least from the producer's side, is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses, unquote. Those statements became rallying cries for WGA members who enlisted a broad array of support from other Hollywood unions, including the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees 
and the Teamsters. Again, since this is a company town, I would love to hear from writers and actors and others. Yes, even producers. Bob Iger? Our phone number is 818-985-KPFK if you'd like to uh, correct the record here on any of this. Uh, in any event, most production will remain at a standstill until the producers offer similarly reasonable concessions to the Actors Union. 818-985-5735 if you care to ring in over your public airwaves on any of this. In related encouraging news, President Joe Biden announced on Friday that he will travel to Michigan to join the picket line of auto workers on strike nationwide this week. Biden wrote on the site still known as Twitter, quote, Tuesday, I'll go to Michigan to join the picket line and stand in solidarity with the men and women of UAW as they fight for a share, a fair share of the value they helped create. That was Joe Biden. Uh, his decision to stand alongside the workers, the striking workers, as Politico characterized it, represents perhaps the most significant display of union solidarity ever by a sitting president. Though it certainly makes sense, given that he has repeatedly and, frankly, somewhat justifiably described himself as the most pro-union U.S. president in history. And as we always like to note, that's not an incredibly high bar, I do understand, but it is arguably true based on his actions since taking office. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Give me a call. 818 985 KPFK. The uh, announcement comes a week after he expressed solidarity with the UAW and said he, quote, understands the workers' frustration, unquote. The announcement of his trip was seen as a seismic moment within segments of the labor community. One uh, uh, union advisor quoted by Politico said uh, Biden's announcement was, quote, pretty hardcore. On Friday, United Auto Workers President Sean Fain announced that the strike, uh, the first time ever that the union has struck against all three major U.S. automakers at once, that strike would expand to more than three dozen additional locations across the country this week, rapidly expanding the uh, union's picket lines that began at just three plants just over one week ago, though for now the expansion will only be at GM and Stellantis uh, uh, plants, formerly that's formerly Fiat Chrysler. Uh, it won't be expanded at Ford plants, at least for now. The UAW says talks have been productive with Ford for the moment. On Friday, Fain had also asked Joe Biden to join the workers on the picket line, and the president took little time agreeing to do so in what will apparently be an historic first for a sitting U.S. president visiting a picket line. I had no idea that had never been done before. but Neither did I, apparently, which is, I, I think, yeah. actually not surprising that yeah. we didn't know that, since I would say that um, union history is really not taught in U.S. True. schools. So True. not surprising that most young people don't know about labor history in the U.S. Yeah, you're not that young. And anyway, I'm not that young. <laughs> I, m for, <laughs> former president, don't, don't give me that look, Wendell. I know what's... Anyway, uh, former president Donald Trump, moving on, also has plans to visit Michigan this week, uh, despite backlash from uh, from Sean Fain, the president of the UAW, against Trump's abysmal record when it comes to labor during his presidency. 
the uh, leading candidate in the Republican presidential primary, will visit apparently with non-union and former union workers at an automotive supplier outside of Detroit on Wednesday, which is something that you have to pay close attention to because the media also hasn't made that clear when they made it sound like, oh, Donald Trump is going to meet with striking workers in Detroit. No, he's not. The same day that uh, uh, Trump's GOP competitors in the field take to the debate stage, that is when Donald Trump is going to not Detroit, but somewhere sort of kind of near Detroit. That debate, by the way, is coming up this week. That's their second debate without him. It'll be out here in California at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. And as you may recall, Reagan famously fired the federal air traffic controllers shortly after taking office for daring to strike for better wages and working conditions. A person familiar with Trump's plans, according to Politico, said that Trump is unlikely to go to the picket line. Yeah, I bet he won't. Uh, it would not go well for him, I yeah, suspect. I, I don't think he'll get a very, very warm reception. But I would love to see it. <laughs> I would love to see that. Happen. Please go to the picket line, Mr. Trump. You don't want to let all old Sleepy Joe show you up, do you? In fact, as Politicus USA has argued, Trump's entire trip is a hoax. They say, what? He, Trump, a hoax? They say that uh, despite his announcement, he is not speaking to auto workers. He isn't meeting with union members. And the odds of Trump ever showing up even in Detroit itself instead of a red suburb was about zero. Meanwhile, in an effort to tout his support for unions in general, President Biden does not appear to have to do much talking at all for himself at this point. As Mother Jones observed, a new campaign ad released by Biden, uh, the Joe Biden campaign last week, the Biden-Harris campaign, is apparently relying solely on the actual words of his Republican opponents to do that just for him. As you'll hear, the uh, words here in this Biden-Harris ad come only from GOP presidential candidates Nikki Haley and Tim Scott, as well as Fox News business anchor Neil Cavuto. When you have a president that's constantly saying, go union, go union, this is what you get. The unions get emboldened and then they start asking for things. The first bill he passed that 86 billion dollars for union pensions. This president clearly does prioritize union jobs, and he's made very clear here that union workers deserve more, that their pay increases have not come close to the success and the money that all of these auto companies have enjoyed. <laughs> Once again, uh, that was a Biden-Harris ad featuring only the words of Republican presidential candidates Nikki Haley and Tim Scott and Fox News anchor Neil Cavuto. So thanks, guys. Uh, Nikki Haley, their unions get emboldened and they start asking for things. Well, God forbid they do that. Who do they think they are? Workers? responsible for uh, decades now of record profits for these corporations. Haley and Scott have been on an anti-labor tear in recent days. Tim Scott even uh, called for firing striking workers at the privately owned companies, 
which is, for those who are unfamiliar with labor law, entirely illegal. In this case, I think Scott was pretending to be all Ronald Reagan-y, recalling then uh, when, when Reagan fired the air traffic controllers, who, unlike auto workers, are actually federal employees, and therefore they could they could arguably be fired by the president under then-existing federal law. But, well, here's what Tim Scott had to say. Ronald Reagan gave us a great example when federal employees decided they were going to strike. He said, you strike, you're fired. Simple concept to me. To the extent that we could use that once again, absolutely. <laughs> we can use that once again, Absolutely, he said. Yeah, how dare you ask for more better wages or better working conditions and then get together with your fellows to do so as well. It's crazy. And he's saying we can do that to auto workers at private companies. We can just, the president can order them to be fired. He just promised to violate federal labor law, by the way, and to put tens of thousands of workers at private companies Apparently out of work because they were you know, they lawfully went on strike in support of their right to collectively bargain for better contracts against companies who are making record profits. Thanks, by the way, to the labor of those workers. There's quite a bit I could say about Tim Scott, but for now, I will just note he is not the brightest bulb in a pretty dim pack of GOP 2024 candidates running for president this year or next year, perhaps uh, in the case of Tim Scott, uh, maybe running, arguably running for vice president next year. His lack of knowledge, apparently, uh, about labor laws or, or interest in supporting workers, that may have just bumped him right up to the top of Donald Trump's list of potential veeps, it seems to me. It's all, as uh, Mother Jones remarks, a strange position for the Republicans to take, given that 2023 has seen the launch of historic strikes, many of which are widely supported by Americans, including the uh, auto workers, the Hollywood writers and actors with Biden, who frequently claims to be the most union president in U.S. history, openly supporting the ongoing strikes and prompting Republicans to pounce. Whether it's smart or not of them, and despite their pretend claim in recent years to be fighting for the forgotten working man. 818-985-5735 is our phone number if you'd like to ring in. Uh, we'll take a quick break and we will come back with, uh, well, whatever you guys want to talk about on this matter or anything else. I got a lot more to talk about as well, but I'd love to hear from you. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman and you are listening to The Bradcast. Five major corporations now own over 80% of all media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Your support helps us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations across the country. You can make a real difference by supporting independent media. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. Join us at Brad bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Hey, this is Brad. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Bradcast. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh, yeah. I don't want to do your dirty work. No more. No more. 
Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. As I said, I've got much I wouldn't uh, mind talking about, but I would like to hear from you. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number if you want to ring in on uh, on unions or anything else. Don't make me talk about Bob Menendez because I will. I will. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to Yolanda in Los Angeles. Hey, Yolanda, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad, how are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. I'm just calling in to disagree with unions. You're disagreeing with unions? Yes, and for Biden being so pro-union. Really? Why are you against unions, Yolanda? This is why, because unfortunately, well, for the union started out as protecting the rights of workers, and what they have become now uh, are big uh, corrupted uh, uh, entities that protect uh, workers who are not so hardworking. So now, not only do they protect the, the good workers, but they protect the not-so-good workers, and it becomes very difficult for uh-huh. employers uh, to maintain a hard-working group of people. And yet, uh, the employers, the companies, uh, and this is really across the board, uh, certainly in the entertainment industry, certainly in the uh, auto industry, are making record profits. And the companies have been not just those uh, large uh, industries, but uh, companies overall, corporations overall, over the past 10, 20, 30 years have been making huge profits while workers are making less and less and less. Where did you get the idea, Yolanda? Are, are you a business owner? Where did you get the idea that union workers are, are not good and uh, corrupted or whatever it was you said? Where are you getting that idea? So, so uh, let me give you a good example. UTLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, UTLA is the teacher union. Mm-hmm. The teacher union. Yeah. So... Um, I have children that go to LAUSD, and uh, I've seen how not only they protect our wonderful, good, hardworking teachers, mm-hmm. but they also protect uh, the teachers who are not so effective with instruction in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's where I get that idea. But I do agree with you that uh, um, the big businesses, other big businesses are making a huge profit while workers are not. Mm-hmm. And yes, they, they should compensate them a little more. However, uh, they should do away with protecting not so effective workers. Well, uh, okay, I guess I'd have to uh, get more information to know about these not so affected effective workers. I mean, surely you're not suggesting that the bulk of union members are not effective. Surely if there are some uh, bad apples, for want of a better word, or people who uh, aren't doing as good a job, surely that is a vast, vast minority, and you would prefer to see the middle middle class rise, middle class wages rise, because that's good for everyone. As you can see, over the past 20, 30 years, 40, 50 years, Yolanda, uh, as, you know, corporate profits have risen, as CEO uh, paychecks have risen, the working people, their uh, income has largely remained flat, and the middle class is disappearing. I don't think you want that to happen. Am I right? 
Uh, you are correct, Brad. Yes, and thank you for pointing that out. I do not want that to happen. Um, I do believe that um, all these workers should at least get, uh, you know, paid a, a fair wage so that they can catch up with uh, inflation and, mm -hmm. and all the high cost of everything. Uh, I do agree with that. Um, and, you know, it's just my concern is what I have seen uh, where I have seen it, and and that's what right. I wanted to, you know, put out there. Yeah. You know, it's another perspective. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that perspective, and I, I suspect some of our callers may have uh, responses as well. And by the way, when it comes to, for example, the uh, keeping up with cost of living, keeping up with inflation, that used to be a part of union contracts, uh, for example, at the UAW. They gave that up in order to try to save the company back during the financial crisis back in 2008. So they have given a lot, and uh, I think we owe them a lot. And I do appreciate your uh, alternate perspective, Yolanda. Thanks for calling in. Uh, really appreciate it. 818-985-KPFK. You. You Let's go to... Uh, Laura, who may have a response to Yolanda. Hey, Laura, welcome to the broadcast. Hello, how are you doing? I'm okay, how are you? I'm good. I'm a 29-year teacher in United Teachers LA. I'm also a union leader. Are you one of the good ones or one of the not-so-good ones, Laura? Well, I've been in a lot of schools, and I've seen a lot of educators, and I'd say um, there are very few bad apples. And what the union does, and I'm a union leader, I'm the Women's Ed Committee Chair, and I'm a representative on national, state, and local levels. Mm -hmm. um, the union doesn't protect bad teachers. It protects due process of innocent until proven guilty. Mm -hmm. So in order for... Let's say a teacher or any worker who has a union is accused of something. All that our uh, union has done is ensured that there's a due process. Without a due process, I mean, we mm -hmm. see what happens in private industry. I was in private industry, and and uh, there was, uh, for example, no seniority. So when they did layoffs, it was all very, very political. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate my union and the strength of my union and. And uh, the unity, even of my union, tonight I have an AFT, AFL-CIO meeting. I'm on the uh, L.A. County Board of Education as a teacher representative in that mm. union with the teachers. And I appreciate the unity of all the unions. It seems there's a new birth of unions. And all we're seeing is all workers need their basic needs met, a decent salary for housing, mm -hmm. for food, to afford their expenses, for health care. And, and there's money in the system, and so often, even when it's in public education, they don't want to spend the money on the workers. Mm -hmm. So I'm proud of my union. We we got um, over a 20% raise that's going to take place over a few years, Good. unprecedented, we united with SEIU. And we support the strikers presently, and I'm glad they've come to agreement. They, they were striking longer than we were our last two strikes, supporting yeah. SEIU. So... Um, yeah. No. Well, thank we you. We want protection for all workers. Thank yeah, thank you. thank you. We do want protection for all workers, Laura, and frankly, especially for teachers. It has been astounding to watch in uh, in recent years the attack, the assault on our teachers, on our uh, public school teachers. Uh, in in uh, you know, I, I think what is ultimately an effort to try to uh, you know take away money. Period. From to end public uh, education altogether and give all the money to 
uh, private companies to run schools. Uh, You know, of all the people, well, I guess there's a lot. I was going to say of all the people you want to support, you would think it's the men and women who are teaching our children. You would want them to be living, uh, you know, a, a, a good, healthy life. You would want them to want to be teachers, not leave the uh, industry to go into something else. But you want to keep the good teachers there. You've got to pay them commensurately. Anyway, uh, Laura, thank you for all that uh, for, that you do and uh, really appreciate your uh, your calling in today. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. You bet. 818-985-KPFK. Who wants to call in now and tell that teacher she's uh, terrible and needs to be fired and should have uh, that this union thing is a terrible idea? Let me go to, uh, where are we here? Our old friend Roger up in Minneapolis. Hey, Roger, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Greetings, Brad. Thank you, Um, Roger. um, I am a big supporter of Union. Ah, uh, oh, uh huh. I think that's a reference to a classic uh, Christmas uh, broadcast from the 30s. That's correct. And Henry Ford will not get in our way here. There you uh, go. Nonetheless, yeah. Let me see if I can adopt an appropriately patronizing Henry Ford delivery. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> um, I uh, have um, uh, worked. Uh, as a union organizer uh, uh, for SEIU uh-huh. um, uh, in establishing uh, the Home Health Care Workers Union mm-hmm. um, uh, based upon the fact that I have uh, been a uh, helper for uh, my special needs daughter for many years. Mm. Uh, uh, I'm no longer doing that job, but uh, I see the wisdom in it. I also lived for, uh, I've lived for almost a decade in Europe and seeing how the power of unions there have kept the middle class strong. Mm. Um, And now, really, uh, Trump is going to exploit um, an edge here. If Biden does not figure out how to stipulate that the development and rollout of EVs, Mm -hmm. and particularly the production of batteries, also be done by union work, yeah. Then we're then we're truly not in a. I, I was going to use a word that starts with F and ends with E D. Yeah, please don't, please uh, don't. But, but the point being, it's not the optimal situation. We need to have President Biden advocate for union production of our. Well, let uh, me let uh, me tell you. Let me respond uh, to that uh, all the way through. Yeah. Let me respond to that, Roger. In fact, he did do exactly that in both the Build Back Better Act that uh, Joe Manchin ended up killing and in the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, which also had that these requirements that these be uh, union shops that got these billions of dollars. And he had to remove that in exchange for Joe Manchin's vote. And since, I mean, it was frankly a miracle that it was passed at all and that those bills were as good as as they were, that Joe Biden has been as effective as he has been. But sometimes in order to do that, that's the process, uh, that, that's the cost that has to be paid. And there was the cost on, on that particular uh, effort that it, actually he did include that these were supposed to be I, all union jobs. I am well aware of that. And you've also made it clear in the broadcasts that that is the case. But 
Well, let me just inject this as my closing point okay. tonight, okay. Um, because I know there's lots of other people. Um, uh, and that is that then that is a perfect opening for Biden to bang the drum mm-hmm. to, to point out that the Republicans are the ones who have undermined the effort to have more or less union uh, yep. all the way through vertical integration of this rollout of these new technologies. He, he should be using that as his one of his most important talking points. Yep. In, in dealing with Republicans. Completely right agree. They blocked it. C- completely agree. And, uh, you know, I was worried when uh, Donald Trump said he was going to Detroit. Now, of course, he's not going to Detroit. He's going outside of Detroit to the suburbs. But I was worried that, uh, you know, Biden needs to get in there and say, yeah, I, I'm going to the picket lines. And in fact, he Absolutely. did that. He's a little slow. He's a little slow on the uptake. Uh, but you know, he's getting there and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but he does, I agree, needs to be absolutely loud. The problem is not what Joe Biden, uh, is not, uh, uh, doing or accomplishing. The problem is a, a lot of Americans have no idea because he's not great at getting it out. And the news media is terrible at uh, getting it out. Even when he is good, even when they go to the factories and have these openings, uh, and, you know, point out what uh, all these accomplishments. But if, you know, it's like if a tree falls in the forest and no one is there, same thing. If a factory well, opens in Peoria, Arizona, and the media doesn't report it, did it actually happen? So, well, uh, so and, and so as my final mention is, is simply yeah. this, uh, it's it, it's it's perfectly clear to me that opportunities are being missed that shouldn't be. Uh, and that he could be exploiting these things. Yep. I'm afraid he may be getting some not very cogent advice. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we do have, uh, with all of his warts, a very excellent president. And um, I think a lot of us get that, you know. We'll see. Um, we will see. Yeah, uh, we'll, I hope. We will see. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Roger. I really do appreciate the Good hearing from you, my friend. Uh, stay warm. I, I know it's going to be getting cold there any second now. Thank you, brother. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. 818-985-5735. Let's go to Mike in Liana Valley. Is that how it said? Uh, hey, Mike, welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, yeah, this, this Mike, yeah, I called you before. Oh, hey, Mike. A couple times. Uh, the, the, the thing is that I'm concerned about is us people that are on fixed incomes on the Social Security and mm-hmm. And all this, uh, you know, we seem to be the last ones that get noticed between these labor and uh, management uh, battles. Mm. Well, uh, do you think uh, these labor management battles are somehow going to affect or hurt uh, people on Social Security? Well, they seem to be able. The companies seem to always, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, as as Curly, you can't smack anybody else. We're the the (laughs) third person on the the chain of smacks between these two people. and uh, I mean, I, I I just like that as an example because Curly was always smacking in there. There's right. nobody left to smack. Right. And I always felt like I was Curly. Right. 
But uh, as uh, does you had a, a point you wanted to make on that? Uh, yeah, I was just uh, that that young people today don't actually get to access pensions. Unions are the only way that workers can access access pensions today. Right now, pretty much every worker is is uh, sort of directed into a four hundred one k program where they're responsible for doing the investments, where they're responsible for putting aside the money. Uh, instead of how unions work, where they actually manage the pension fund, they take a piece out and they take care of it so it's waiting there for you when you retire. And so that is, I think, a key distinction for how unions can help folks who are in their Social Security years on a fixed income because then it helps them later on in retirement. If you even get a 401k. I mean, True. they are doing away with, uh, you know, a, a retirement I, plans. I one. Yeah. The, the, year, the years that I worked, uh, you know, I was they didn't have 401ks. I I was an independent uh, mechanic, you know, for years and years, and I did put some money into Social Security. Mm-hmm. Probably not as much as I should have. Well, but uh, my my wife recently died, and she worked, you know, had a good job. She was making about twenty five dollars an hour, so I got my uh, my allotment, you know, doubled. Mm-hmm. But then every time I go to Walmart, I, I watch the prices go up. Were you a uh, union yeah. member, by the way? I have been in unions. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've uh, several, and I've had. Uh, I, I, I'm not against unions, yeah. basically. I think they're a good thing. But I tell you, some of the operators in these unions, I think, are crooked that they're dealing and working with the, the companies. Mm. Well, That's the experience I've had. And uh, as far as prices uh, going up at Walmart, who's to blame for that? Well, I guess Walmart, right? There you go. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, ding, ding, you got it right. It's the corporations who are, I mean, we had some supply chain issues, supply and demand, you know, after the pandemic. But by and large, you know, it's hard to say that, oh, it's the pandemic, it's supply chain issues when, you know, we're making uh, record profits that are off the chart. That ain't supply chain. That's greed. No, so I, I hear you. I got to agree with you on that one for sure. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Good to hear from you, my friend. Uh, Call us again soon. Uh, 818-98... You too. You too, my friend. 818-985-KPFK. 818-985-5735. Very quickly here, uh, we'll get to some more calls in a moment, but uh, former President Trump is, uh, of course, out there attacking anybody who he can find with, you know, while he's out on the campaign trail, President Biden is crooked. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis is desanctimonious. Prosecutors who have indicted him on 91 charges are fascist thugs. But he has laid out uh, a menu of things that he plans to do if he becomes president again. And y'all should be paying it. Make sure you're paying attention to it, uh, because this is not, uh, uh, you know, just what we, we think is going to happen. A group of former Trump staffers and far-right wingers at the Heritage Foundation have been putting together what they described as Project 2025 that will purge tens of thousands of U.S. uh, federal government employees in the event that any Republican, whether it's Trump or any other uh, Republican, uh, wins in 2024. There, uh, the the Trump has himself promised to use the military to participate in the largest deportation of undocumented immigrants in American history. To order the National Guard into cities, whether local officials want them there or not. To prosecute people out here in California who protect minors coming to the state for gender affirming care. He will impose a ten percent tariff on almost all foreign goods, including. 
uh, increasing, I should say, prices for consumers. My goodness, that, yeah, a 10% on, tariff would increase prices on everything for everybody. No, but Donald Trump keeps telling people that he's charging China for that 10%, that they're paying the 10%. No, they're not. You are when there is a tariff put on a product that is sold here. You pay for that. The buyer pays for that, not the seller. So a 10% tariff, that's a 10% tax on you. He will appoint a special prosecutor to, quote, go after his political opponents, beginning with Biden. He will purge, as I said, the federal civil service of anyone who questions his views. And even for Trump, he seems to be heading off the deep end of late. If you're paying attention, and you should, frankly, to what he is saying uh, in, on his social media site. Donald Trump posted over the weekend in his latest attack on a free press in these United States. He wrote, quote, they are almost all dishonest and corrupt, but Comcast, with its one-sided, one-side and vicious coverage by NBC News and in particular MSNBC, often and correctly referred to as MSDNC, Democratic National Committee, Democrat National Committee, should be investigated for its country threatening treason. Their endless coverage of the now fully debunked scam known as Russia, 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 which is not in any way, shape or form debunked. And much else, says Trump, is one big campaign contribution to the radical left Democrat Party. I say up front, openly and proudly that when I win the presidency of the United States, they and others of the lamestream media will be thoroughly scrutinized for their knowingly dishonest and corrupt coverage of people, things and events. Why should NBC or any other of the corrupt and dishonest media companies be entitled to use the very valuable airwaves of the USA for free. They, he writes, are a true threat to democracy and are, in fact, the enemy of the people. The fake news media should pay a big price for what they have done to our once great country. Apparently, uh, Donald Trump hasn't read his Constitution lately. He missed that whole uh, very First Amendment about a free press and the free speech. But he ain't kidding around. As I said, this is a real plan, uh, this Project 2025. You can go look it up, project2025.org. It's their own website telling you what they're going to do. And Donald Trump is telling us over and over and over, and we ought to believe him especially when he talks about coming after the news media. Do you think he's not going to? Do you think he's just kidding around? Do you think after four years of being president, figuring out how the federal government works and how he can exploit it to his personal advantage, do you think he's not going to use those, uh, turn those levers and use them? And sure, they'll be challenged in court. But some of them will win. Some of them will get through, especially through his corrupt, stolen and packed U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, as someone re responded in a, in a comment uh, in reply to that rant against NBC, uh, they responded with a protest sign. First, they came for the journalists. We don't know what happened after that.
Morris in Long Beach will probably close us out here tonight. Omo, welcome back to the broadcast, my friend. Bradley, the U.S. Postal Service employees need to go on strike. The U.S. Postal employees, they need to go on strike. They haven't had a raise in 25 years. And the one thing that Donald Trump and Eugene Jobs have in common, they can both run from office from jail. From jail. Eugene Debs did run for president from jail. People say, well, can Donald Trump really run when he's indicted? Yes, he can run when he's indicted. Uh, read your, again, read your Constitution. 91 indictments, he can still run for president. Can he still run if he's convicted on uh, a felony? How about on 91 felonies? Yes, he can still run for president if he's convicted on felonies. Can he run from jail? Yes, he actually can run from jail the way Eugene Debs did. Uh, with the uh, Socialist Party. Yeah, and of course, I think we'll have ago. some difficulty with the corporate media still trying to both sides this thing and uh, make it sound like, gosh, you know, the guy that's running for the Republican Party, that's the top leader for the Republican Party, he's indicted. And yet they don't talk about that very much how, at how all. How do you both sides that? Who's who's uh, uh, indicted running for president on the Democratic side? Now, I had threatened to talk about Bob Menendez, and I actually uh, wanted to because there's a lot uh, to jump into there, including the fact that it sort of undermines Donald Trump's claim entirely that the uh, Department of Justice has been weaponized against him and against Republicans. Oh, poppycock and nonsense. But that poppycock and nonsense will have to wait for another day, unfortunately, because we have got to get out. Uh, my thanks to all the callers today. Really uh, enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Uh, we'll uh, try to do it again soon. Also, thanks to my board operator, Wendell Handy. Thank you, Wendell. I won't tell the rabbi you're here. Also, Desi Doyen, our producer. Thank you as well. Uh, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, please download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks, uh, Mastodons, and sites still known as Twitter, you will find me at the Bradblog. We'll see you there at all of the above. Until we see you here, hopefully tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. You're listening to the Bradcast. We are 100% listener-supported thanks to listeners like you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate.